Hello? Moose baby? Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I've got a bad case of Max Mike movies. We're aiming low and setting our sights high as we swim through the fetid sea of movies that have animation in them. The series, Drawn Apart. Is this odd subgenre of movie just a symptom of something deeper, or is it just a rash of bad ideas that leads to redness and swelling? Well, we'll certainly find out in this week's choice, Osmosis Jones, that huge Chris Rock vehicle hit that brought Warner Brothers Studios back from the brink of disaster. Uh... Or didn't. Uh, as usual, making all of this stuff up are your hosts, one master of mucus, Mike Luce, and one wizard of wheezing, Max Levine. Well wheezed. <laughs> But first, this message from Blistan, the pill that will remove the swill that makes you ill. Or just a few words about where you can track us down and find us. Uh, first, track us down with our email address, which is us at maxmikemovies.com. Hey, you might suspect that with that email address might come a nifty website. Well, you'd be right. We're at maxmikemovies.com. You like are. social media? Indeed we are. You like social media? Who doesn't? Well... Lots of people. But if you do, you might follow us on Facebook or Twitter under, you guessed it, Max Mike Movie. I'm sensing a pattern. And, and um, Spotify and the podcast app, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. This week, Osmosis Jones. Yep. The famed black exploitation film of the 70s, <laughs> starring Dolomite. Uh, no, no. I uh -oh. I hope you watched the right movie. Oh, Actually, boy. in some ways, I hope you didn't. Oh, but boy. oh, this is awkward. Now, yeah. trivia. The show budget seventy million dollars. Worldwide take. Take a guess. Five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> You're not all that far off. Oh dear. Four, yeah. Fourteen million. That's worldwide. Oh, ow. So when you don't even make half your budget, that's you make not, a um, that's like a fifth. Ouch! That, yeah, <laughs> that's not what you'd call a hit. No, <laughs> but it did spawn a TV show, I think. Uh yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, that okay. is coming up. Well, you brought it up, so that uh, I will uh, I will bring that up. Now I have to, of course, look through my notes. I've ruined everything. You did the spinoff series. The main characters, Osmosis Jones and Drix, or Drips, depending on who's saying it. We'll get a show called Ozian Drix. They're taken by, from Frank by a mosquito and implanted in a teenage boy and are able to continue their war on germs there. We Okay, sure. Yeah, that's trivia out of order. Uh, Warner Brothers Animation Unit was not doing well, never having had a hit in the features game. They were down to two choices. This or a second film from some no-name named Brad Bird, who had done some film called Iron Giant for them, they chose this. Good choice. Bird, Bird, not pleased, took his idea to Disney and eventually made this film you may not have heard of called The Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well played, Warner Brothers. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. This film was highly influential. No, really. You mean highly influenzaed? No, no, oh, and oh. although they do put the flu in influential. Um, before this movie, there was no chicken wing festival in Buffalo. 
after? Well, now there's a chicken festival in Buffalo. Wee! Wow, well, that, that if nothing else, that gives the movie a right to exist. <laughs> yeah. Chicken yeah, wings. So, I, I, apparently Buffalo's like, hey, we're not doing anything, so... <laughs> We're certainly not going to see this movie, although somebody <laughs> must have. But anyway, uh, Mayor Fleming, and I have to spell this because, yeah. of course, it's a joke. P-L-P-F-L-E-G-M-M-I-N-G. Like Flem. is supposedly based on Richard Nixon, and his opponent, Tom Kalanick, is based on JFK, or so it's said. I didn't yeah, get that whatever. vibe at all. I, Whatever. Uh, well, one of the reasons probably is the actor playing Mayor Fleming doesn't give you the idea that he's anybody but who he is, yes. and we'll get to that. Yep. The band that's playing at the Zit Club is called Kidney Rock, which is really <sighs> Kid Rock. Yeah. And, jo- and Joe C., his side man. Who, yeah, they dedicated the movie to because he died, apparently, yeah. right after they... Gosh, that's sad, because, yeah, it's <laughs> dedicated to Ernest Borgnine. Um <laughs> Lots of people were considered for lots of roles. It's interesting. <laughs> Literally two-thirds of the trivia on the IMDb page was, you know, this list of people was up for this role. Oh, and I think really couldn't find anything else. Okay. No. And you know what the surprising part was? Uh, Max, you were in there. <laughs> Did oh, you know that, you were up for the yeah. role of Osmosis Jones? I was up for Osmo- no, no, I wasn't up for Osmosis Jones. I think I was up for random, random cell number 322. Oh, and you didn't take it? Uh, My agent said it was a mistake. I stand by that decision. So there is the moral of the story, folks. If you are offered a juicy part like Random Cell 322, take it or you'll end up on a show like this yeah. one. <laughs> I've wasted... Taking care of your best friend in a pony. Ooh, I've wasted my life. <laughs> uh, directed by the Farrelly brothers, who have also brought us movies such as Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber 2, spelled T-O, Shallow Hal, There's Something About Mary, and, you may have forgotten this because I sure did, the updated Three Stooges. Uh, I actually watched part of that on TV. And I will have to ask one more time, why? It's like when you see something on fire, and part of you knows I should move away from it because it will hurt me, and part of you just goes, watch it burn. (laughs) That's pretty much, I wanted to see what they would do. Uh, and, and you, you were I, wrong. <laughs> that was a mistake. That was a real mistake. I will admit, um, this was mostly due to my mother um, not allowing me to. I have never seen a Three Stooges movie. A movie? Including that well, one. You, uh, you never seen a movie? Or short. Or, oh, you never seen the shorts. Okay. Nope. Nope. I mean, I know the whole yuck, 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 and the two eye th- two finger thing in the eyes, and but I don't, I don't have, a, have any background with the Three Stooges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did the spirit finish. Hey, Roger Ebert gave this movie three stars. <laughs> really? Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. So no accounting for. Okay. The animation was directed by Tom Cito, a big name in Hollywood animation. He's worked for Disney, DreamWorks, and Warners, has been involved in anything from Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids to Roger Rabbit, Lion King, Little Mermaid, Ants, and Looney Tunes back in action. He's actually very well uh, liked and he's very well respected. Um, And we'll get into that with the animation in this film. The Farrelly brothers, on the other hand, only directed the live-action part and had nothing to do with the animation half. Well, that fits. Because of how Hollywood works, they get the directing credit. Which Who directed the animation? Tom Cito and... Oh, Cito uh, did, okay. Yeah, and and with somebody else, and I'm trying to think, it was a very odd name, and... Nope, I've forgotten it. I couldn't find much of anything about him, so, yeah. 
Um, because of the yeah, so they get the directing credit and what we refer to as the blame. Just so you know, there is no New England Zoo, especially not in the back lot of Water, Warner Studios. No, there is not. Uh, do you know any other? Um, I, I hope not. But do you know any other bits of trivia? I don't mean like you know uh, uh, opinions, but trivia to do with this film. Nope, not a Good. thing. Good. And now the hard part. Yeah. The, plot. the plot. Oh yeah. yeah. Strap in. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> That's me driving away. All right. <laughs> There's this disgusting human being, Frank, who works at a zoo and somehow has a charming, intelligent young daughter named Shane. Inside Frank is a host of charming characters that sing and dance their way to health and happiness. Or really, we get to see them operating every revolting bodily function possible as Frank goes through life. In the outside world, Frank flounders as a single father, his wife having succumbed to some hygiene-related disease that threatens to take him down as well. Every greasy moment spent with Frank, who at one point wrestles a chimp for a hard-boiled egg which falls on the ground and which he then eats, somehow doesn't (sighs) repel Shane. It only endears him to her more. She worries for his health, but can't get him to change. Meanwhile, inside Frank... White blood cell Osmosis Jones is having his own existential crisis. Being an overperforming cop, his cowboy tactics tend to get him into trouble. The body in which he works, all praise Frank, is in a state of flux as there's an election coming up. Incumbent Mayor Fleming is being chased by Tom Kalanick, who promises change having to do with healthier, uh, being healthier and getting exercise. As such, Jones is under more scrutiny than ever. When Frank starts showing symptoms of something, that something being an evil virus named Thrax, first name not Anne, he takes a cold pill, which results in the character Drix showing up on the scene. Jones suspects there's something more going on than just a simple cold. Through every bodily fluid possible, these two team up and fight the danger that threatens to bring down the universe that is Frank. And Frank, through a nearly fatal bout of... something, learns to clean up his act and love again. Or beans and toast. Or something the end (laughs) okay sure (laughs) yeah it it is both more and less complex than that long paragraph the lowdown i mean i mean it's basically the thing you sort of leave out is frank in the in the real world played by bill murray that's the live action part and all of that is just pretty standard yep you know it's a live action stuff the animation occurs inside frank's body where frank's body it's sort of a the whole thing is this weird visual metaphor of an entire i mean not just city but really civilization yeah that is frank you know the the what the cops are the white blood cells and uh i really wish it had been tv's frank (laughs) that would have been a lot more interesting hey before we get too deep into this for those who don't know osmosis is a process by which molecules of a solvent tend to pass through a semi-permeable membrane from a less concentrated solution into a more concentrated one, thus equalizing the concentrations on each side of the membrane. This is obviously a great name for a movie and main character. Yeah, someone just liked the way it sounded, I guess. Uh, Yeah, because it's a word that just trips off the tongue, and I'm amazed I got through that definition without screwing it up. That was impressive. But yeah, as Max pointed out, in this case... This is a, a different entry into Drawn Apart in that pretty much, except for about 10 seconds, the animation and the live action don't coexist. They are never really on the screen together. And when they do, 
it gets ugly. And yeah. I mean ugly, I don't mean disgusting, because that's going on all the time. I mean, there's this close-up of a CG eyeball and uh, eyelashes, and it looks terrible. It really looks bad. So, yeah. The cast, I said we'd be getting to this. So, yeah, you, this, you'd be the... wondering, this Farrelly Brothers masterpiece, uh, it's going to probably star Fred J. Smith and some mule or something. Oh. But, Max, would you like to go through the I can go through, of... sure. <laughs> Osmosis Jones is voiced by Chris Rock. Yeah. Who And this was at kind of a peak in his career. This was, I believe, before the Madagascar movies. Yes, it was. Yes, where, of course, he said that voice acting was the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Charming. But, uh, yeah, he's he's the voice of Osmosis Jones, the the maverick cop who works by his own set of rules. Which we'd never seen before. God, that was original. And uh, <laughs> Drix, who looks kind of like if you crossed a Dristan tablet with RoboCop. Yeah. Is voiced by David Hyde Pierce. In a role that will surprise you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an interesting pairing. I mean... They they are again. That's you know cop cop partner cliche uh, number eight one four sub J, the wild the wild maverick cop and the uptight guy who plays by the rules. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Mayor F- Flemington or <laughs> Fleming, Fleming is voiced by the always entertaining <laughs> William Shatner, <laughs> playing William Shatner yeah. and his opponent. Tom Kalanick, I kept waiting for him to get high. I heard the voice and I was like, really? Yeah, that is little Ronnie Howard, a.k.a. Oscar-nominated director Ron Howard. Uh, Also known as, you have way more better things to do, Ron Howard. Well, to be fair, he only has like, I think, two or three lines. So obviously he was walking by and one of the Farrelly said, Ron, Ron, here, just speak into this tape recorder and read these and we'll, we'll give you some money. Yeah. Okay, you promise you'll leave me alone? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and Thrax, now I have to say, this is the one voice actor who really sounds like he's having a good time. And, and also, th- I did not recognize It's like, I, I should know who that is. Who that is it? That was Morpheus from The Matrix himself. That was Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. And, and he, he, he does a great voice as the virus Thrax. Yep. Which I thought when I saw that in the credits or in the uh, on the I looked up the page to see what the characters' names were. It's like, oh, he's going to be Anthrax. No, he's not. He is the Red Death. Yeah, you know, which doesn't exist, by the way, except at an Edgar Allan Poe story. That was the mask of the Red Death. That is right. So, uh, and, oh yeah, this and uh, was it uh, pop singer Brandy plays. Uh, uh, the mayor's assistant and yeah, you know osmosis. you're a fine girl what a what a good yeah. wife you would be but yeah but my, my life, life my love and my lady is the sea e do 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 uh and then hangers on we also get kid rock yeah um molly shannon who is one of those actresses that when you see her, oh yeah her she was on saturday night live for a long yep. time she's been a lot of she's a lot of fun she's really she, fun and she is criminally underused in this yes although they, quite mm-hmm. honestly for her benefit i'm glad that she is not in anymore because the two scenes she's in oh, she God. has bodily fluids um erupting on her yeah so uh yeah, I, yeah. um and the last mention was in my notes was oh and chris elliott um yeah apparently yeah, the uh, who is it I think the Farrelly brothers like him. Either that or Bill Murray said, you know, hey, we work together in Groundhog Day and the guy needs a job. 
I I have never enjoyed yeah. Chris Elliott's performances. I've never found him humorous. He was okay in Groundhog's Day. I didn't for some reason didn't mind him as much in The Abyss. Um, well, he didn't do than, much. I know that's probably why I didn't. I, the so. only thing I ever liked him on was when he was writing for the David Letterman show, and he would be like the guy under the seats or the panicky guy, yeah. and was therefore only on screen for like forty-five seconds. <laughs> so maybe that's the key to Chris I Elliott. I think that might be. Um, I those, did not those know. The, hmm? Yeah, and Bill Murray, of course. Oh yeah, the star, of course, Frank is Bill Murray, and that's I think most of them. Every so often, you get a little throwaway from somebody, and yeah. a couple of voices I, sounded familiar, but I don't know who they were. I and I didn't I care heard, enough. Or, uh, I thought I heard Steve Buscemi, but it wasn't him. No, and I good, thought good I heard. I thought I heard Maurice LaMarche, but I don't think it was him. Uh. Just I, I didn't know anything about this film except I, Chris Rock, I think I vaguely knew, was attached to it. And he's actually listed as the star. Bill Murray comes way down on the list. Um, and when I Bill Murray popped up, I initially thought I had the wrong movie. Also because it was in a zoo. And I'm like, what has this got to do with bodily <laughs> fluids? And then, unfortunately, very quickly, I found out. Because yes. the first thing we do is go inside his mouth. Um, yes. And my note was this movie is really gross and gets grosser. And then I kept adding and grosser and grosser as I got through the film. It is. Um, the Farrelly brothers have this obsession uh, with like body fluid humor. Yeah. And, so that, that, I'm sorry, real quick. That was one of my talking points since you brought it up. Um, are you a fan of the Farrelly brothers? I have, I've seen almost none of their movies. I've seen a couple of scenes from, there's something about Mary. I've never seen the whole movie. I've never seen either of the Dumb and Dumber movies. What was the one that was the surprise that you uh, mentioned? The, the Three Stooges you've seen part of. Part of, yeah. No, I I can't say I'm a fan. Yeah, Shallow Hal. Didn't see it. Do you remember the premise behind that one? <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. It's, it's Jack... that fat people are ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Jack Black is somehow... I have to admit, the premise I saw in the preview looked weird enough. In that Jack Black is cursed by Tony Robbins, who is, was like a self-help guru in the '90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. and uh, so that he it, he's apparently Hal. The character Hal is a very shallow guy, very only into physical appearance. He's played by Jack Black is kind of odd, but he ends up falling in love with this rather large woman who is played by Gwyneth Paltrow in a fat suit. But he sees her as Gwyneth Paltrow without a fat suit. In other words, Gwyneth Paltrow, who needs a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a really unpleasant premise, I think. I thought so. I saw the preview and I was just like, that's horrible. And I'm sure it all ends up that he learns a lesson and stays in love and they get married or whatever. I, I, I have no care. idea. I didn't care enough to find out. I did see there's something about whoever. Um, Suddenly Susan, suddenly salad, whatever it was. Uh, and of course it has, it has Ben Stiller in it, but it's, it's just before he's Ben Stiller. Um, he's not quite as annoying. I can't stand Ben Stiller, but he hasn't done, um, who's that? The fashion character. Um, oh, a Zoolander. Zoolander. He hasn't done Zoolander yet. He hasn't done all those. And there's one scene that even if you haven't seen, there's something about Mary. There's one scene everybody knows. The hair gel. The hair gel scene. And that <laughs> scene telegraphs into this entire film. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we start off the animation. We start off live action. And already the film's gross. Because for whatever reason, they've decided that Bill Murray's character, Frank, has to be the greasiest human being ever it literally looks like he dresses himself in pork rinds 
Yeah, and you know, wa- washes himself in bacon fat. It's just gross. Yeah, you, he, he feels gross. You, like, you, I, you assume that there is like every time the camera points at him, you end up with an oily residue on the lens. Yeah, it's just, and then this poor little girl. I don't the actress. I didn't see her being. I, I any. I, I felt so bad anytime she was in a scene with him. Um, partially because it's creepy. Like there's one point where she's massaging his leg because he thinks he has a cramp, and it's like, don't touch him. <laughs> In fact, you should, you know, stay back as far as you can. Um, and she's she adores him. And hey, hats off for her for acting as well as she did. Yeah, I gotta say that she did a heck of a job. Now, Bill Murray is always he has that underlying kind of likability or that kind yeah. of he has he has a certain amount of charisma. You're 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 interested. Mm. And but this he's really fighting against it. Now Frank is portrayed as a guy who basically has given up. He yeah. had he had one bad event in his life where I think he threw up on Molly Shannon and right. he made the papers. He lost his job and he became a zookeeper because you know that's your next job. Yeah, because God knows being a zookeeper anybody can do that. Yeah, and have I've had friends who are zookeepers, and I will tell you no. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. This is not so. It's not like serving coffee. Uh, no yeah. offense to all you baristas out there, but come yeah. on. It's different to serving coffee and feeding man-eating animals. Yes, and not being eaten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you ever picked up tiger poo? It's fun. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, educational. I'd rather pick it up than become it. Yeah. Um, well, that's always a possibility, too, because tigers wait. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I have stories about that. I not thankfully did not happen to me, but tigers are patient. Do not do not ever drop your guard around a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, but if you're if there's nothing between you and a tiger, say, you know, an iron fence, a 40-foot moat, <laughs> and you see a tiger, forget it. Yeah, you're pretty much mo- make your peace with whatever god you worship cuz you did. You're not doing the dance. <laughs> Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes, I think, did a great disservice to people about tigers. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, anyway, we, we're getting we start way with off. Bill, we start with Bill Murray, and I one of my notes was, um, so my between this and Space Jam, I'm kind of losing my faith in Bill Murray. Uh, because he is a really good actor. He's done some amazing comedy. He's also done some great serious roles. I really like him in... Um, uh, Sophia Coppola's oh, film. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation. He does a great and, job in Broken Flowers. Yep, I liked him in that. Or was that, was that, that or Garden State? Was he in uh, Garden State? I don't... Oh, I don't think he was in Garden State. I think that was Russian. Maybe I'm thinking of Broken Broken Flowers, yeah. Um, and he, like, I, I want to say that after Lost in Translation is when he kind of turned his career around and it's like, hey, I can do this, you know, serious sort of searching for soul character and he does it very well but this is obviously that midpoint in his career because space jam and this and it's like uh... bill murray did a lot of crap in between yeah. when he, b- before when he was you know when he would his comedy peak when like caddyshack yeah where he was just hilarious and he did a lot of other funny movies and then something happened yeah and then he turned it around and that's that's impressive but yeah and th- th- that's the thing with both him and chris elliott you just look at them both and just go, yeah. yeah. And there's there's some weird subtext with uh, Chris Elliott's character, yeah, who, I, who like clearly Shane wants nothing to do with, and you have to wonder why. Yeah, Uncle Bob. I don't know if he actually is an uncle. I don't think so, but we've never told or care. Yeah, we don't really care. But there's a sequence where we see Frank's subconscious, and there are like it's it's portrayed in the body as a movie theater, and there are like these movie posters for. 
you know, coming attractions and they're things like Nate, Bob, naked, you know, Frank naked in high school. Yeah. And there's one where it's just a picture of Uncle Bob marrying Shane. Which is really, yeah. yeah, because not only is the whole idea disgusting, but we see it inside Frank's brain. Yeah, so I mean, it's, he's thought about it on some everything, level. Everything inside and outside of Frank is, um, how to put this, moist. Yes, <laughs> moist. <laughs> Moisty and, the clown, yeah. The in, the internal narrative, which is, you know, the, the cops trying to track down a virus, and it's the classic of... Uh, the the big government and everyone else thinks that oh this is just a minor thing it's in this case a cold as of, say like the equivalent of I don't know a liquor store being knocked over whereas Osmosis Jones suspects something more serious you know I don't believe to, this exactly, yeah kind of <laughs> and Quincy. and he of course is right a, a very smooth talking virus named Thrax who by the way keeps humming I actually thought this was cute he keeps humming the song Fever. Yeah. And he has decided to take down Frank. Now, I got to say, they get a few medical things right in this. Because part of yeah, his plan is to okay. get to the brain, go to the high, and, and mess with the hypothalamus, the hypothalamus to turn up Frank's body temperature. Now, that's part of what the hypothalamus does. It does a whole lot of other stuff, but it does regulate body temperature. The thing is, viruses would not want a fever. The whole point of a fever and we knew this in what was this 2001 fever kills the virus it's the bot one of the body's defenses is it jacks up the temperature because the virus can only live at a certain temperature level it wouldn't want frank to get uh, overheated never mind that but i, I didn't look this up and i should have because it's it's in my notes i think 108 is kind of high i think you actually can uh, expire before that one oh yeah at one point frank's temperature goes up to 108 I think it's possible. Yeah, at one point, you can survive that, but he probably would have had brain damage. Although, quite honestly, how would you know? How would you know? Yeah, he seems to recover from that awfully quickly. That's that's lethal. That level, you, that temperature, that'll kill you. Did you ever get uh, high temperatures at all, like when you were a kid or anything? I think I once got up to like 104. Yeah, I was the king of it. Oh, I really? did it a lot. I remember three instances where I hit 103 or better. Um, one of them I got to 105. And hey, you know what happens at 105? Is that where you hallucinate? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> to this day, I still remember being in my room, the lights off, but the hallway lights on so I can see. And there was this little, it was sort of a drum that we used as a side table next to my bed. And I could see that drum. And then I opened my eyes and on that drum was a steaming roast turkey that started to move. Oh, God. And I was like, what? And then I blinked and it went away. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we don't deal with any of that. He just suddenly gets the, which is fine. I don't yes. care. But it was just like, uh, yeah. And my mom, that's the point. Like when you get to 105, it's like it's hospital time. Yeah. And the doctor, I remember the doctor saying, if his temperature does not go down before morning, take him to the hospital. But it did. But 103, 4, 5. Oh, yeah. I used to do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, also, kids are a lot more resilient to uh, to uh, high temperatures. Uh, someone yeah. the Frank's age would not be. No, yeah. it, and this reads like either some sort of public service uh, educational health film, or oh. as we mentioned back in the Phantom Tollbooth episode, an ABC after school special. There's a little of that. It's very much on you know 
the one of the reasons Frank is getting this virus and is so vulnerable to it is he eats terribly. He doesn't exercise. He's in bad shape. He, <laughs> and he wrestles very poor, chimps for food. He wrestles chimps for food. Chimps which, who have just been scratching their own butts. Yeah, which we get to see Frank uh, uh, yeah. the same. Uh, funny. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> and the story inside Frank's body doesn't make a lot. Isn't a lot more engaging either. You know, Osmosis and Drix, who is a, you know, time capsule. He's yeah. again built sort of like an orange, a red and yellow version of RoboCop, or and more like, like two hundred nine, like a box in a ballpoint pen, yeah. kind of. He's this big boxy torso, and then he floats. Or I guess it's like a nasal spray for yeah. his legs or he's something. Effervescent. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> They go, they go around, and of course they bond, although we never see it. It's just all of a sudden, like Drix is sticking up for osmosis. We don't know why. No. All they, fact, do is, he, all they do is insult each other. In fact, 30 seconds before, he was like, no, I can't work with this man. And yeah. then suddenly it's like, now I can. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, good. It. Yeah, so we've got on the outside this this, this disgusting story about this man who doesn't wash things and eats the bad food and whom we see far too much of. Yeah, Bill Murray in his underwear. I could have yeah. gone my entire life without seeing that. Um, and then we have this inner story, which is, at its best, a hackneyed, told many times before, good cop, bad cop, not, uh, lost not his good. license. No, it's just bad, you know, buddy cop movie. Yeah. Of which know, there he, have been He's millions. a cowboy. Boop, 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 boop. And it just gets grosser and grosser. And it's sort of like the two halves of the film are fighting to see who can be more disgusting. Yeah. Because Bill Murray keeps eating things that he shouldn't eat, and we see him eat them, and he's losing close-ups, yeah. And he's getting moister. And it's just, and he's not shaved, so he's got that... I, you know, oh, and he, there's a whole sequence about him getting a huge zit on his forehead. Oh my god, it's oh. so... Revo- and that's like, I couldn't believe they were got even worse. And of course, as always happens... When you get acne, and hey, if you don't have acne, good for you. Um, at some point, it will just explode because that's what yeah. happens, right? Because no, no, it doesn't. And they keep doing close-ups, and the people who did the makeup for this, hey, good for you. I'm glad you did such a good. No, I'm not. No, I really could have done without that. I could have oh. done it without all the animated mucus. I could. Ugh. Oh man. Now there are some kind of cute puns, which is pretty much the whole excuse for humor in this movie. It there, it, there's nothing witty. It's just a bunch of bio, bio puns. I mean, at one point they run across these guys in a bad part. Like the liver is the bad part of town because it's yeah. in such bad shape, and they're they're betting on chicken pox fights. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and at one point uh, someone saying, "You know, he might be have the flu," and someone says, "He doesn't look fluish." Now, see, I was like, I wonder how Max is going to take that line. I'm like, wow. All I could think was back at Yellow Submarine. You don't look bluish. Oh, see, I was thinking it was supposed to sound like Jewish. It is supposed to sound like Jewish, and at one point, you even see one of the cells is where is wearing a, ra- a rabbi's costume. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what the hell that was for, or I, the fastest the fastest growing home ho- housing development in Frank is a neighborhood called Love Handles. Yeah, and there are Hare Krishna cells. Yeah, I gotta say, there's a re- there's something that is that is not going to age well because no. back back in the day. Thousands of years ago, and we used pterodactyls for airplanes. <laughs> yeah, there, people were allowed, you know, back way before 9 11. Yeah. They, they used to let various religious organizations, okay, let's just say it, cults, 
and <laughs> hang around in airports and bug people for money. And the most noticeable were the Hare Krishnas, you know, dancing around, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, of that, which is like, okay, I, I, that's a thing I recognize. What was the beer they drank? Remember that? Oh, that's right. <laughs> You've had a yeah. hard day handing out pamphlets. You only go, you're only reincarnated seven or eight times in this life. Yeah. <laughs> what was the oh, beer? God, that was, this is from Kentucky Fried Movie. I don't yeah. remember the name of the beer. Oh, well. Which means it was not a good idea. Yeah, ad. it's actually... I, I hadn't thought about this, but there may be, like, a whole generation now that doesn't even know what that yeah, means. I mean... Which, hey, yeah, good! Yeah. <laughs> that whole scene... This is the, probably the best version of that is in the first Airplane movie, where Robert Stack is walking through the airport, <laughs> and all of these people are coming up trying to give him pamphlets. You know, Hare Krishna, and he just, like, starts elbowing them in the throat, and... You know, judo <laughs> flipping them, and I, I, yeah. th- it was such a problem back then. I remember that was the part of the movie in the theater. Everyone started applauding. They were all <laughs> just going nuts because all of us at some point had wanted to do exactly what he was doing. But of course, we're now dealing with films we'd rather talk about than the one we're supposed to talk about. True. Hey, true. I do want to give a little shout out here. Yeah. The animation, which is 2D, hand-drawn, yep. and we're at yep. the very tail end of basically theatrical release 2D animation, is actually pretty good. It is. I was impressed by that. In general, I like the character design, although I will say that uh, Osmosis kind of looks like a condom. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But this... I, I really like the way they draw Thrax. Thrax yeah. looks really cool. He's he... got this red features and this great long trench coat. Yeah, it's 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 very smooth. It's very well done. There's no weird, glitchy parts where characters you know turn in, in uh, around and you things don't work quite well. It's quite honestly pretty top level animation, which is a shame because you can't enjoy it because the characters are constantly slogging through mucus or snot or I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm not like literally snot. No, there's one yeah, point and, where there's a dam and it explodes and they're covered in snot. Um, uh, because I know <laughs> it's like you're uh, constantly itching while watching this movie. Um, really? You're like, you're like, this stuff is going on inside me. I don't want to be alive of a human anymore. But this also relates to a film I mentioned briefly a few episodes back, which was Cats Don't Dance. That was another Warner uh, feature that didn't do well. But the animation, and it's really good. And I always feel bad for special effects people or animation people that are part of a project that's, you know, they are doing their best work. And this is what happens. Um, Another film we talked about recently had the same problem. You might remember a little film called Cats. (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) Cats. Uh, there's been a lot of talk lately about the the butthole cut, and as it turns out, um, the VFX artists get this: they had six months to work on the trailer, just the trailer. They had four months to do the movie. Oh lord! Yeah. So I. This no, explains a lot. It does. I don't. I I know. Lo- apparently, the director was very hard to work with. Um, I no longer want to give them a hard time. Which, to be fair, I want to say it's the design, not the execution, that bothered me because the cats were just kind <laughs> of just. I don't know. They're they were just wrong. They didn't look like cats. They didn't look like people. They yeah. looked like 
I don't know, some sort of weird nightmare. Yeah, but this film is, is shares something with that in that I think the in those in that case those people were given very little time to work on and they did the best they could. In this case, we had an animation department and I feel bad because I'm sure these people saw the writing on the wall. CG was becoming a thing. Warner had not produced a an animated feature that had done well. And it's like, oh man, we're going to be looking for jobs soon. And that's got to stink. And they still put out, again, the animation is really good. It does not make me want to watch it. But <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to put one positive note in there because we had a lot of, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I will say that. The animation is good. The subject matter is gross. Yeah. It's and not even, like, not even that kind of gross out stuff that I think kids would like, right? I think it's just like uncomfortable. Yeah. For um, it's sort of like that skit on. I keep going off track. Can't help yeah. it. Like on on the skit on Saturday Night Live, it's Pat. Oh yeah. And the character was whoever played it was brilliant in that the character just makes you uncomfortable. And it's not necessarily because you know you don't know if they're male or female. That's fine. Whatever. I don't care about that. But the character just feels moist, yeah. and, they, <laughs> and they just feel like they make you like it. It's a skin crawly thing. And yeah. that's what this is like. And it's not funny. It's just yuck. You know, they or made would a you movie out of that character? I, I heard that. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> did, saw it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. The whole thing is cringy. That's the problem. Yeah, cringy. The, char- the character of Pat, again, it's not the fact that uh, Pat is an androgyne. It's the fact that, oh, I can never. I cannot remember her name. I keep wanting to. She was a contemporary of Molly Shannon. She was on the show around the same time. I can't remember her name, but she would. Get, she she gave Pat this awful voice and that horrible yeah. laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that their hands would like, they would wipe them up and down the jeans all the time. Yeah, and it yeah. was somebody you knew you didn't want to shake hands with just because their hands you knew they were going to be moist. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like that. The idea of the sketch was actually really interesting. They did a whole stuff with gender roles, and you know when people are trying to figure out if Pat is a man or woman without asking by that, try, like by asking like do you like football or do you you know you want to buy you're here to buy a razor do you want the blue one or the pink one? And that was the funny part of the bit wasn't that you couldn't tell what Pat was. The funny part was how uncomfortable people were with it with facing this and not knowing how to act. Um, but anyway, it's quite obvious Max and I don't want to talk about Osmosis Jones. But well, this, the thing is, there isn't a lot to say about it. The plot is paper thin. The characters yeah. get no development. No. The only thing, as we say, that positive is the animation is really well done. The, the characters are totally di- unbelie- not believable. We, it's one of those things of te- you know, show, don't tell. Uh, we hear, you know, uh, Jones talks about why he's on the outs. It's because he may have prematurely you know he panicked at one point and thought frank had gotten food poisoning was going to die and so he triggered the vomiting reflex which is when he throws up all over molly shannon which ruined in some ways ruined frank's life yeah exactly i I thought that was a little bit much because apparently she has a restraining order against him yeah which is kind of unfair because well well, for that one thing it's unfair but in general i think it was actually a pretty good idea (laughs) yeah yeah the way frank then behaves because His daughter points out Frank becomes completely self-involved. He's just not interested in anybody. I mean, he he it's he has affection for his daughter, but not enough to make any changes in his life for himself. Despite the fact that it's clearly hurting both of them, yeah. he's not a very. It, it subverts the likability of Bill Murray and a the lot. whole the whole thing of the you know, the the rogue cop and the the politicians who are crooked 
except we're not sure they're crooked. And it still seems odd to me that you can vote for the person who controls the brain. <laughs> and that apparently at some points these cells can take direct control of Frank yeah. to make him say what they want him to say. So did you feel a parallel between this movie and a certain perhaps better known and better accepted movie? You mean like Inside Out? Uh, kind of exactly like that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's almost that, like, here's how not to do that. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's like, here. yeah, those are the two ends. You want to, you want to see an absolutely spectacular, uh, analogous representation of internal, the internal workings, in this case of something even more complicated, the mind, Inside Out is a masterpiece, especially compared to this. Yeah. Which is just gross out humor and bad puns. Yeah. Um, that being said, it, you know, there, it's, there's not a lot to talk about. I have some talking points. Yeah, okay. So, um, this film was originally rated PG-13. They had to tone down some of the language to get oh. that coveted PG role, uh, rating. Um, who do you think the audience for this movie was supposed to be? I don't know. It's too disturbing in some ways for kids because a number of ca- there's a number of rather violent character deaths... <laughs> uh, it's also really gross. Because, like, you couldn't make I, Happy Meal toys of... Uh, he's inside me. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I figured it had to be, like, I don't know, adolescent boys? Maybe, like, you know, 12 to 14? I who, guess who except... Poop humor is funny. I don't know. Except there's no fast cars or attractive. Yeah, women. yeah, there are fast cars. There's a there's some driving uh, sequences. Yeah, but they want the real thing. They don't want a cartoon yeah. car. Yeah. So, I don't know either. It's yeah. like I I can't tell. It's not a family movie. Uh, no. But I can't help but wonder if that in the Farrelly brothers' mind it was supposed to be because <sighs> kids and parents getting together and chimps eating ice cream. No. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not... Because it doesn't work on either level. It's too no. gross and too violent, really. Because there's scenes where um, Thrax, he's got these long, pretty much Freddy Krueger finger knife blade things, and he's slicing through other characters, and yeah. they're, like, splotting up on windows and things. There's a sequence that is obviously riffing on the, the Godfather for reasons. Uh, there's actually sequences all through this film that are riffing on everything. Yeah. But it's like, it's it really is too violent for kids and not in a cartoon way, which is surprising considering that all of the violence is in the cartoon part. Yeah. Um, and it's not interesting enough for adults to see, I don't no, think. I no, there's not so. enough... De- again... If you just if they just wanted to see cool looking animation and if they're really there are people who are really into gross out humor maybe yeah, it's for them I guess I just I mean hey I love a good fart joke and there's a fart joke in this film and I didn't laugh yeah it just was yeah, like because oh. it wasn't particularly funny huh and in some cases I don't even need that but for some reason nope maybe it was just the rest of the film because it's like the last line of the film or next to the last line is Bill Murray farting which I mean and there are jokes that are thrown in there that are clearly for the adults there's a sequence when Frank is dying from the fever where out of nowhere there's a string quartet and they're playing nearer my god to thee yeah and it's obviously riffing on the whole um, on the Titanic uh, Titanic. thing yeah it's like really okay yeah kids love that film sure Uh, (laughs) um so at what point do you think, quote, doing it for the money, end quote, crosses a line? Is this it? Remember also things like the Emoji Movie. I think the Emoji Movie is well on the other side of the line. This one is kind of straddling it because the Farrelly brothers, 
the stuff they do, you get the feeling it's it's stuff they think is funny. Yeah, there's a kind of Andy Kaufman quality to it, except not as abstract <laughs> or as or as clever. <laughs> but you get the feeling this is stuff they actually think is funny, and I got the feeling that they they were into this. This is one of those movies you just get the feeling that the director thought, "Hey, this is funny." And to be fair, I looked this up. Their films, admittedly cumulatively, have grossed over a billion dollars. Yeah, they're and very it, successful. Yeah, so I don't know, but. I look at people's, and we have a really mixed case here. Because on the one hand, we have William Shatner, who, yeah. quite honestly, I, I don't think when they invented the term "selling out," I think he was holding his hand up before they got the word "out" up, right? Because <laughs> yeah, they will do he, just about anything. Yeah, and, pretty much. Is it? Am I getting paid? <laughs> well, then, and I, sure. My follow-up to this was: Does it damage the perception of the actor? In this case, no, not for him. David Hyde Pierce, I think he's so forgettable in this role because he brings, he's so toned down from like Frasier. I guess that's the closest character you could say to this is that it's sort of his Frasier character, except not quite so effete. Now, I think now this character is supposed to be like more tougher and more hardcore, but he is also, you know, talks about, in fact, he's supposed to be Ivy League educated. There's all these puns about that. Yeah, and it's like, he's forgettable. I don't think this damages him. I was lucky enough to see him in the Broadway production of Spamalot, in which he plays, Uh, how many roles did he play? Three or four? uh, And he's great. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, He also does an animated character in, was it Lilo and Stitch, I think? And he's much more animated in that. He's in Bugs Life. He was the stick insect. Oh, that's right. So, uh, but then we have other actors like Lawrence Fishburne. Thankfully, you can't recognize him, but he does a great job. He he stands out. Chris Rock is Chris Rock. Quite yeah. honestly, I have never seen him with any kind of range. Now, Chris He's, Rock tends to play himself, like a lot of sta- like a lot of stand-up comics do. Yeah, they got him because okay, we want we want this character to be Chris Rock esque, and he can do it. He's played a cop. He was in Lethal Weapon. Four, if anyone remembers that. Well, he was with uh, Jackie Chan. Yeah, yep. Um, oh, no, that was Chris no, Tucker. No, you're thinking of Chris Tucker. No, <laughs> no, this one, actually, in Lethal Weapon 4, he was up against Jet Li at one point. But, that's right, that's yeah. right. Um, do you think that the uh, one of the... Well, one of the reasons people do these voices is, A, they get paid a lot of money. And by a lot of money, I mean, even if you only got... A million dollars to do this, which, of course, to you and me is like a million dollars. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You have to be in in some cases you have to be in a a voice recording booth for like a day. So even if you're a major character, it's a lot of money for a comparatively short amount of work for the big stars. Right. And this, of course, brings us. I just I don't want to get into this because this is this could be a whole show. But a lot of professional voice actors, the guys we've talked about before, you know, Billy West and and uh, Jess Arnell, Maurice yep. LaMarche, T- uh, Tress McNeil, and Tara Strong, they really don't like celebrity casting. Nope. Because it's like, this is our area. This is what we do. And they don't make a fraction no. of what these special guest voices do. No. And often, let's face it, they're better at it because yep. this is their medium. This is what they're... They're used to acting only with their voices. That is an incredibly difficult thing. We've talked about this before. We're going to talk about it again. <laughs> well, yes. it was one of the... It was my follow-up question to that, which was, do big names make a difference when it comes to seeing or ignoring a movie? Have you ever seen a preview for an animated film and said, oh, so-and-so's doing a voice, I have to see that. I don't think so. 
No, I really neither. don't. I think I, I'm trying to think because, like, okay, if I'm trying to say, if well, what if Ian McKellen was in something? It's like, oh wow, he was. He was in Cats. <laughs> Cats. That wasn't technically. Well, I guess it was kind of anime. That doesn't count. <laughs> Cats doesn't count as anything. Yeah. But well, Patrick there, Stewart certainly didn't make me go see Emoji Film. <laughs> you did. Yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs> no, uh, I, no, I would have to say, I no for animated films. And it's true, it's different than live action. There are movies where I'll, I'll go, oh, wow, you know, Helen Mirren's in this? That makes it, I want to see it. But for voice films, for animated films, no. no. If it's like, oh, wow, Brad Pitt's the voice of Sinbad in this, I don't care. I think it's the character. If yeah. the character's memorable, if we like the character, we like the actor that did them, not because Tom Hanks did it. And I think Tom Hanks does fine as Woody. And yeah. I think uh, Tim, T- Tim Allen does Allen, fine yeah. as, as Space Boy there. As Buzz, um, yes. Buzz Lightyear, yeah. But could those characters have been done by other people equally or even better? Sure. Yeah, I think so. I, Tom Hanks did not make me go see Toy Story. Um, and I do feel badly for the voice acting community because they do get screwed all the time. And you look at people like Hank Azaria and Dan Castaneda who are doing five or six or seven characters on a weekly show and have been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. And William Shatner shows up and obviously they cast William Shatner to be William Shatner because that's that's all you're going to get unless you see him in, uh, what was it? It was, um, oh, I actually know the name of this film, blah, 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 Incubus. It was the one and only oh, film Lord. that was filmed in Esperanto. <laughs> I saw that movie. Oh, I tried God. to see that movie. It was so boring. I think I fell asleep, literally. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, okay, if you're casting to a character actor type, okay, that's fine. But like, here's somebody I would never cast for a voice part, and I think he's done them, is Bill Murray. Because Bill Murray, half of Bill Murray is seeing what he's doing. And his voice is not particularly interesting. I disagree. And, I think I think he was, I believe he was in Isle of Dogs. Didn't see it. Uh, which is, I, I really like that movie. And he was great as one of the, as a dog voice. I'm pretty sure that was him. But yeah, that was also uh, Wes Anderson, and yeah. the voices in Wes Anderson films, whether they're real or animated, tend to be that very, not quite monotone, but there tends to be not a lot of emotion in them. Um, they tend to be, be very subdued, very late, yeah. very, very downplay. That's true. But it's like I, again, I look at these people, and they can. It's like, what kind of character do you need? Yeah, I can do that. Maurice Lamarche, all these people, and otherwise, you get Chris Rock, who does Chris Rock, and it's like, okay. But, you know, and then he, then he badmouths the voice actors. That really pissed me off. That I pissed off did, a lot of people, yeah. Didn't he do it at the Academy Awards? I think I, he did. I was at some awards show. I don't remember if it was the Oscars, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was at an awards show. And I think he had gotten an award for Madagascar. So that was yeah. really, that was being pretty much, that was being a serious jerk. Yeah. Um, so, Max, I have a uh, hypothetical question. Okay. So you've just written this script... I know, it's very hypothetical. Mm-hmm. How would you present this idea to a movie mogul? <laughs> uh, I don't know how... You, I've never understood the pitch process. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, because the only way I ever see it is in the opening shots of that that uh, Robert Altman film, The Player. Mm-hmm. Is that Tim... Um, Tim, uh, Tim Robbins, yeah. Tim Robbins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like Kramer versus Kramer meets The Godfather. It's always like this meets that, and I don't, I, I would don't know how I would pitch this as, I don't know. It's like Pepto Bismol meets I bought a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I would have to say yeah, it's, it's, 
Yeah, I would have no idea. It's like this animated live-action thing with this really disgusting guy, and we see the internal workings of his body uh, translated into a civilization, and why are you grabbing my arms and pulling me out of the building? Yeah, I don't know how they pitched this. I really don't, because... Uh, now, I think the Farrelly brothers had had a few major successes by this yeah. time. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the time, I, they don't really have to do much pitching. It's like, hi, we want to do a live-action animated... Okay, here, have a bag of money. Yeah, because I checked it. I think it was either something about Mary or Shallow Hal. Yeah. Uh, both of them did multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. I think yeah. something about Mary grossed something like 250 and Shallow Hal did 360 So, And the budgets on those were like $30 because they're comedies. They're not. Yeah, they're you know, comedies, they're no and they thing. didn't have a lot of big names in them. No. I mean, something about Mary Cameron Diaz was still just. She wasn't. Uh, she Cameron. hadn't done Charlie's Angels yet. And no. Ben Stiller was. Well, Ben Stiller. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet, not yet, but uh, yeah, so he was probably cheap. Uh, 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 Jack Black, I think, was sort of in the middle of his yeah. career. Gwyneth um, Paltrow would have cost a lot of money. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> when Contact meets, I don't know. I <laughs> it's like a buddy cop movie between a, a white blood cell and a, a tablet. Yeah, and how about that? So we have Chris Rock playing a white blood cell. Yeah, yeah. Is, I was I, surprised they didn't make any they didn't make any reference to that, which I kind of appreciated because yeah, that was kind yeah. of the ele- elephant in the bloodstream right there. And I was already uncomfortable. I didn't need that. Yeah. Uh, I've got one more. Do you have any talking points yourself? I have one more before we wrap up. It's, no, I think it's an important one. We've covered most of mine. So, Max, uh, my question to you is: Do you know how your bladder works from the inside? <laughs> Not really, and I'm perfectly happy in my ignorance. Well, being perfectly happy in both our ignorances, I would like to put it to you that it's time to wrap this up. Yeah, I think so. The Roundup. So, Max. Yeah. Before being forced at gunpoint to watch (laughs) Osmosis Jones for this particular episode, had you seen the film? I never saw it. I knew it existed. I'd seen the previews, but that was it. Hmm. I, and I had, I think I had heard one review that said it was better than people said it was. So uh, I wow. went, I went into this with a little bit of optimism, which I think was completely unjustified. <laughs> well, you realize that there is a second part to this question. Yeah. What did you think? <laughs> Again, I like you. I like the way it. I like the animation style. I was grossed out too much through most of the movie. I just, I, I don't like bot movies about bodily fluids. That's just you. And they just revel in it way too much. Uh, I thought the story was thin. The characters were underdeveloped. I thought it was a waste of, of a really interesting idea, too. Because that whole idea of, oh, the entire of the body is a, is a civilization. You know, they did that on Futurama, where Fry ends up infested with these parasite worms who form a civilization inside his body. Only they're working for his benefit. And... They did that in a 22-minute episode, and that worked. And in this, you know, 95-minute movie, it just didn't work. Well, so, again, as we pointed out, with the, although it's with the mind, we get a much better version yeah, of the Inside Out. So. Much better. Much better execution, much better idea. And if nothing else, for one thing, you like the outside. You like the character of Riley. You understand Riley. You like her parents. It's hard to like any of the humans except for the daughter. Right, whose name is Shane for reasons I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I don't think this is horrible. I just really I, no. I, I think it's well executed. In I just don't like the content very much. And I, I 
think it's, you know, pay, the pacing is okay, and again, the animation looks good, but I did not enjoy it, then I would not really want to watch it again. I can't say I'd recommend it to anybody. Well, if you continue to be mean to Bumpy, then you're going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet this is sort of movie Bumpy, which is love. So what, what did you what did you think of it? Uh, the only positive thing I can say is that the animation is well done. You can tell that these uh, are two separate, almost two separate films directed by two separate people, which in yeah. fact they are. Yeah. Um, the exterior suffers from something that we mentioned last week, I think, which, where is it? it? It suffers from backlotitis. You can tell. In fact, I know exactly where they shot the zoo because I've been there. Uh, and also, I wonder, this always pisses me off when they, they say things are in places like New England or Boston, you know, places that I'm oh, from. And I'm like, all right, we know patently that this is not in New, New England. There is no New England zoo. That's fine. Why did you need to do that? What's the point? Why do it? Why does this need to? Why couldn't it be California? Um, because somehow that ruins the magic. I don't know. They could have done the whole thing without even specifying where they were. Yeah, it didn't they, because the location named, is irrelevant. Yeah, they could have named it the William Zoo. We wouldn't have known, yeah. wouldn't have cared. But instead, we are stuck with New England, knowing that it isn't. Um, it's Backlot Zoo. Um, I, I don't have the story for the buddy cop thing. We've seen tons of times before. Done better with more humor, with more pathos, <laughs> or is it Aramis? I can never keep those two apart. Um, <laughs> So there's, they don't bring anything new here, and I'm sorry, but bo- by adding bodily fluids to that is not at bringing anything new. Yeah. Um, the exterior stuff is uncomfortable. Um, it's not funny. It's just nasty. Uh, there's no interesting story there. The one part that might have been interesting was obviously the dealing with the mother's death, which we don't. Um, in fact, her death is played as a joke. Oh, she also was apparently disgusting. Because that's how she died. She never washed her hands or stuff. So initially you're thinking, oh, there must have been a really pretty wife. Because otherwise, how would you get this charming child? And apparently it's not. It's, you know, so it's the female equivalent of Bill Murray. Oh. Uh, which, uh, it's like, okay, so here's a character I'll never see. Don't know her name. And probably won't care about. Now you're telling me there's good reasons not to care about her because she's gross. Okay. Um, it, it's unpleasant. It is trying to gross you out. It's like actively doing it, and it works. I suppose <laughs> in that respect, the film's a success. <laughs> Let's throw a party. Um, I, but no, I I do think it's bad. I don't think any of the things it tries to do, it tries to do well, or it does well. Um, it's just like you said, the Farrelly brothers probably thought it was hilarious, um, and good for them. Hey, you know, somebody handed them what did I say, seventy million dollars. <laughs> And said, "Hey, you only have to pay back fourteen of this." <laughs> uh, so, I, I, hey, there's a deal. So, I would not recommend this for even for animation fans. Don't bother. Yes. Um, if you want to see the Warner Anim- Animation Unit, the later version uh, in their heyday, go watch Cats Don't Dance. It's a nice movie. The animation's great. The design's great. There's no real humans in it, but hey, that's a bonus. <laughs> but um, yeah. speaking of bonuses. Mm. We can only go up from here, can't we? Uh, uh, how far up are we well, going next week? <laughs> okay, like I say, this movie was gross, but it didn't like make me want to hurt people. Okay. Next week's movie is one I've actually seen, and it made me want to hurt everyone. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yep, we are going to check out the recent hybrid live-action computer CGI version of those beloved characters, 
the Smurfs. No smurfing way. I yeah. am smurfing, not smurfing that don't, smurf. Do not smurf with me, okay? You're I will gonna smurf s- you out back, and I will smurf you back. You're going to smurf and watch this, or I will smurf you right in the smurf. You and your smurfing mom. Okay, <laughs> that's it. We're done. I'm smurfing out of here. <laughs> This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.